Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we get an update on the preparations for the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, which is just 10 months away, with Cameroon the host. We hear about progress being made at the stadiums. The presidential tribune has also advanced uh, a lot in the annex stadiums. The structural works and the work on the football fields have advanced significantly. Also, we talk about the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which will be hosted by Qatar. Now, the bidding process was controversial as the country is so hot and as it has no football history of note. Well, Stuart's been to Qatar several times. He'll tell us about the positives and negatives of Qatar as a host nation for the World Cup. Based on the three events that I have worked at in Doha, spending probably around three weeks there, I would say that everything will be very well organised and the country is very welcoming. That's coming up later. First, Egypt and Liverpool forward Mohamed Salah has made it onto the shortlist for the Best FIFA Men's Player Award. Uh, the 10 players include the likes of Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann, although Neymar didn't make it there. Of course, Salah helped Liverpool to the UEFA Champions League final and scored a record 32 goals in the English Premier League last season. Uh, the winner will be announced on the 24th of September. So with the 2018 FIFA World Cup over, it's now less than a year to the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, running from the 7th to the 30th of June in Cameroon. There's been so much speculation that the tournament might be taken away from Cameroon and given to Morocco, who are on standby, and who have warm relations with the new Confederation of African Football Executive that took over last year. So in the last few months, we've had a couple of updates from Njie Eno Ebai in Yaoundé, as he's been giving us the news on the ground concerning the preparations. Here he gives us the latest. In about 10 months, Cameroon will receive Africa's most passionate football fans and the continent's best footballers when the country hosts the 32nd Africa Cup of Nations. The football bonanza will not only be the second continental nation's pinnacle event that Cameroon will be hosting after that of 1972. It will be the maiden edition involving 24 nations. Cameroon five-time winners of the tournament late last year decided that the football festival will be played in seven stadia. Less than a year to the contest, three of the seven stadiums earmarked for action are set, while two are currently being constructed, with two others being refurbished. In the past weeks, Cameroonian government officials, amongst them the Prime Minister and Head of Government, Philemon Young, have been crisscrossing the country, inspecting the various sports facilities, lodging and medical infrastructure. One site that has drawn lots of attention is that of Yaoundé, home to the Amadou Ahijo and Olembe stadiums. While the Amadou Ahijo Arena, used during the 2016 Women's Africa Cup of Nations, has been hosting some international fixtures and league games, the same cannot be said about the 60,000-seater Olembe Stadium. 
works at the football arena have hit a crescendo, and despite recent heavy rains, Sam Thamin, the director general of Piccini, the Italian company erecting the structure, is confident the ultra-modern complex will be ready come December this year. The works in general, all areas of the Olympia Sports Complex have advanced really well. The main areas of the stadium are completely done. All the risers are in. The presidential tribune has also advanced uh, a lot. In the annex stadiums, the structural works and the work on the football fields have advanced significantly. Material has been arriving constantly. We didn't have shortage of material. We never had shortage of people. We have started moving into the field. The equipment and the material necessary for the stadium roof cover. We are more than used to working in the equatorial region. We have made provisions from the beginning for continuous rain. Possibly when it rains for like 20 minutes, you know, you can get some activities that have to stop for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. But for a company that works 24-7, it's not a problem. We are confident that it's going to be handed over as planned uh, end of the year. Like in the Olimbe Stadium, Works are well on course at the 50,000-seater Japoma Stadium in Cameroon's economic capital, Douala. Turkish company Yenegun has doubled the staff as they hope to beat the December 2018 deadline. Zeski Busquet is the project manager at the stadium. We are achieving more than 50%. In end of August, all the tribune will be completed. As a complete support complex, we are about 50%. And inside, mechanical, electrical and plumbing works are ongoing very fast. Nobody sees the inside, but too much detail is ongoing. It's around 45%. All the drainage system is completed, connected to the road that we are going to make. Some 15 kilometers away from Japuma, the reunification stadium built for the 1972 Afghan is being upgraded. Engineers from Canadian corporation Mark Guild disclosed that 40% of works have been done. On the Mbappe Lepe and Bonamusadi training facilities, works have been going on smoothly. In the southwest region, serenity reigns as the 20,000-seater Limbe Omnispor Stadium and four other training infrastructures spread across Boya and Limbe are set. Roofing works on the Limbe ground have been completed, as confirmed by Stadium Director Ekombe Pascalin. The last phase of the work that we had was the extension of the roof that is already done. We have electricity, we have internet, we have water outside. Not forgetting the basic CAF offices like the docking control room, dressing rooms, VIP halls, security control system. Cameroon's Minister for Public Contracts, Abba Sadu, has warned the various companies involved in AFCON 2019 projects that defaulters will be seriously sanctioned. Our main worry is the gap between the level of the execution of the various constructions and the deadline. We are urging the various contractors to do everything possible to fill the gap in terms of having adequate mobilization, both human resources and the material of the working site. We need a planning. The various contractors have to plan the various activities and in a coherent way so that we be sure that we will be meeting the deadlines. As excitement is gathering steam in the country ahead of next year's soccer fiesta, a CAF inspection team is expected to visit Cameroon in the weeks ahead to ascertain the nation's readiness for the 2019 AFCON. That special report from a Planet Sport Football Africa's and GA Eno Ebai in Yaoundé, Cameroon. 
So will CAF be satisfied when they make their visit? Uh, that's the big question. Uh, certainly progress does seem to be pretty good at the moment and we're hearing there that there'll be seven stadiums being used for the 2019 Nations Cup. Uh, so Solomon, do you think that Cameroon will indeed be hosting the Nations Cup next June or will it be taken away and given to Morocco? Steve, I think it would be uh, difficult to take it away from Cameroon and award it to a standby host, Morocco. Even though Cameroon's preparation and uh, putting all the facilities and stadiums in place has been very slow, I still feel that uh, Cameroon is, is a country like a lot of African countries whose vigor and passion and uh, work ethic changes towards the time where a goal should be achieved. You know, we love to do things at the very last minute, and I think Cameroon falls in that regard. But I think, uh, you know, Morocco is being seen by certain African countries as a country that wants to host a lot of almost everything. You know, Morocco recently hosted uh, the Chan Championship, you know, the last edition. And Morocco is also hosting the, the Spanish, uh, you know, Super Cup. And they beat it for the World Cup and they didn't get it. So in as much as Morocco has a good relationship with CAF, I think Cameroon is this country that at the last minute, they would make sure that they they do that. Uh, You know, the last time Cameroon hosted uh, the Africa Cup of Nations was uh, over 40 years ago. And I think this is their moment. And it does seem like this could be a great Nations Cup if Cameroon do get to host it. I feel Cameroon as a host would be really very uh, interesting and great for African football. The last time Cameroon hosted the African Cup of Nations was in 1972. And in 1972, there were only eight teams. Cameroon is a very charismatic, it's a very, it's a football country. And we all know that, blessed with great fans and great players. And I feel Cameroon will be a great host. It's a very warm country. The people are warm. The fans will be all out to support different teams, to support their own team. You know, for me, that would be really great for football uh, because Cameroon has waited a very long time uh, to host this event. Well, not much time left. This upcoming CAF inspection could be decisive. Thanks, Solomon. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. Well, from the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, we go to the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which will be hosted by Qatar. Now, the bidding process was controversial, as the country is so hot and as it has no football history of note. So many doubted whether Qatar will be a good host nation. Well, because of the weather, it's now been announced that Qatar 22 will start on the 21st of November with a final on the 18th of December. In June and July, when the World Cup is normally held, the maximum temperatures in Qatar can be above 40 degrees. In November, December, it'll be something like around 30 maximum. Well, this will cause disruption to the football calendar in Europe by hosting the World Cup in November and December. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, Stuart, you've been to Qatar several times. What can you tell us about its suitability as a World Cup host nation? 
Well, first of all, Steve, just in case anyone is wondering where exactly Qatar is, it's a Middle East country. The sole land border it has is with Saudi Arabia to the south, and otherwise it's surrounded by water, the Persian Gulf. It is officially the richest country in the world, producing $125,000 worth of income per inhabitant. But other things you need to know to understand Qatar is that while it has a population of 2.7 million, only 300,000 of those are Qatari citizens, which means that over 2 million are foreign expatriates, people who effectively run the country. Qatar has developed into a country which likes to host sporting events. And the Qatar Olympic Committee, which tends to run sport, has arranged international events in athletics, handball, boxing, cycling, tennis, motorsport, golf, and so on. But when you think of the last two World Cups in Brazil and in Russia, countries of 140 and 200 million people, Qatar has 3 million. But there's a downside to that, because in Brazil, for example, Rio and Manaus were 5,000 kilometres apart, whereas all but one of the stadiums which Qatar will use are within 50 kilometres of each other, so it would be much easier for fans to travel around. But based on the three events that I have worked at in Doha, spending probably around three weeks there, I would say that everything will be very well organised, and the country is very welcoming. I mean, two examples of that. While it's a Muslim country, the hotel that I stayed in had a bar in which alcohol was served. Equally, speaking as a Christian, I was able to attend church freely. The service was on a Friday, not on a Sunday, because that's the Muslim calendar. Also, because Qatar is a rich country and the aim of the World Cup for them is to improve the reputation of the country, hotels will be reasonably priced. Now, the climate is an issue. When I was at the World Disability uh, World Championships in October, November, mornings were unbearably hot, but the late afternoons and evenings were very pleasant. So games kicking off later in the day would be fine. And also, let's not forget the 1994 World Cup in America, where some games kicked off at midday in the blazing sun just to suit television. For me, the biggest problem is that Qatar has no history of football and is currently ranked 103 in the world. Thus, realistically, they're going to lose every game and possibly by a large margin. And should a country which has got no chance whatever of qualifying be the host? The other side of the coin is that it is the World Cup. And there's an argument that rather than taking it to Brazil, Germany, England, France and so on, it should go to all parts of the world, including the Middle East. So some good arguments for and against regarding Qatar's hosting of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Now, Stuart was in Qatar in 2015 for the International Paralympic Committee's World Athletics Championships. He spoke to the then Sports Minister of Qatar, a member of the royal family, Sheikha Asma Al Thani. Uh, Qatar is passionate about sport. Uh, we love how sport can change communities, can change societies. Um, we love how sports break boundaries and how it can challenge everyone to achieve a specific goal. And, um, and this is why we are passionate about it and we continue to, 
do our best in hosting such events, such great events, and to have people witness these events in Doha and experience them as well. Many of us have come to Doha for the first time, but are looking forward to coming back for the Football World Cup. You know, what do you think Qatar can offer to the Football World Cup? Uh, I think uh, Qatar uh, is a great, a great uh, place to host such events. Uh, we want it to be a, a sports hub and a sports touristic destination. Um, and we anticipate uh, we have the 2019 IAAF Athletics World Championship happening and we will continue to develop the country and, and, and it, will, it is ready to host such events and we, and we hope to host better events moving forward. So Stuart there speaking in 2015 to uh, Sheikha Asma El Tani, who at the time was Qatar's sports minister. Certainly the country sounds genuine with wanting to put on a great World Cup in 2022. Uh, but Stuart, uh, playing the World Cup in November and December has huge implications on the European leagues and indeed on the players who might perhaps be hesitant to risk injury when their season is not even halfway through. Well, yes, indeed. Now, if we think what's going to happen, the 21-22 season will end in May as usual, and the following season will start in mid-July. But decisions have yet to be taken exactly what's going to happen, but there is speculation already that the number of clubs playing in the Champions League may be reduced so that there are less games to fit in. And, of course, that would have significant financial implications for some clubs. The World Cup, start on the 21st of November, but clubs will be required, as I understand it, to release players by the 4th of November. So it looks as if the Premier League will start in August, run to the end of October, taking an eight-week break, restarting on the 26th of December. Now, don't forget that of the 736 players in the World Cup, 50% of those will be finished, knocked out, by the 1st of December. So those players would have three weeks off before the Premier League resumes. Of course, the better players in the better teams will be involved right to the end. And that may mean that they will need a further break and not be available when the season restarts. And again, the implication would be that the Premier League season would finish in June as opposed to the normal May. And now I need to say that all that is based on an assumption that there will be 32 teams in the World Cup, but there are persistent rumours that FIFA wants to introduce the 48-team World Cup planned for 2026 four years early and are already apparently in talks with Qatar about that. That, of course, would involve another 360 players. Well, that is massive disruption. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, you can give us your thoughts on this on social media. Our question this week, will Qatar be good hosts of the 2022 World Cup? Uh, there's no football history of any note in the country. Very hot as well, uh, but a lot of enthusiasm uh, from the country. So will Qatar be good hosts? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine. Double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think? Will Qatar be good hosts of the twenty twenty two World Cup? Well, last week our question on social media was: uh, How will Algeria's Riyad Mahrez's move to Manchester City work out? 
He's been signed by Man City for a club record of around $80 million, saying he left Leicester to move to a big club to win the Champions League. Mares has signed a five-year deal. He's 27 years old, and it's the sixth highest fee ever paid by an English club. So we asked for your thoughts on how he'll fit in at Man City and if Mares will get to play every week. On Facebook, Daniel Buckman in Ghana says, well, it's a good move for him, but he will just be a bench warmer. Lamine Cham in the Gambia agrees, saying it's a bad move. City have so many attacking players, so then how can Mares get into the first team? I doubt it, but let's see what will happen in August, says Lamine. Musa Bar, also in the Gambia, is more optimistic, saying yes, it's a good move. He can develop himself more there under a great coach in Pep Guardiola. On WhatsApp, Khalifa Sanyang in China says, I think he'll be suited to Man City's style of play, but he won't get to play every week. And Jimmy James Perezi in Uganda agrees, saying he won't play every week, but he will play in most of the games and he'll fit into their system easily, says Jimmy. Emma in Ghana says Mares will develop under Pep and, of course, he's a great signing. And Abdullai So in the Gambia agrees, saying Riyadh is a fine player and he's made a fine move. I believe he's going to have regular playing time and really can fit into the team, no doubt, says Abdullai. Amadou Jallo, also in the Gambia, feels it won't be easy to break into a team that's just won the Premier League with such wealth at Pep's disposal. Amadou says he'll have to step up if he wants to be a regular for the upcoming season because last season Leroy Sané was one of Man City's top performers. Kitenga Ija Godfrey in Uganda completely disagrees. Mares made the worst choice of his life that will torment him forever, says Kitenga Ija. Moving from Leicester was a good option if he'd chosen a club that needed him, not just a club that simply wanted him. Man City has enough midfield players to make two teams, so Mares made a wrong move and his chances of playing every week are very minimal. Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi sees another challenge for Mares. Honestly, with Man City's style of play, he'll have problems fitting in, and he lacks the desire to commit as the manager requires, says Patrick. To Ghana, and Stanley says it's not really a good deal for Mares, but I wish him well. It was a very good deal for Leicester with such a huge transfer fee. But if he ups his performance, he will get to play week in, week out. We always welcome your voice notes. Here's the thoughts of Alimami Fofana. That's impossible because those guys are more good than Myers. So maybe he just moved there because of, you know, Pep is a good coach then. He has won trophy, so he wants to go and be among those kind of team. But for him to get to playing time week in, week out, it's very, very difficult. So Ali Mami Fafana not very optimistic there. Likewise, also in the Gambia, Ebri Makante. Will he get the playing time? A club like City is different from Leicester. In Leicester, he is the superstar. City, he must prove himself that he is, the, he is capable of playing. And we, I believe he's going to do it. Yes, and a few other views. Philip Canu in the Gambia thinks Mares has made the right decision, saying, you know, it's going to be a little difficult for him to play alongside other big-name players, but it's up to him to prove himself to the coach and to the team. Asuku Lawrence in Uganda agrees, saying, well, comparing Leicester to Man City, I think he's so right, as now Man City have the potential and quality to win the Champions League. 
Mustafa Tourai in The Gambia is also positive. It's a big move for him career-wise, says Mustafa. He gets to be under the tutorage of one of the greatest coaches in the world who can still bring out the best of him. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi is equally positive, saying, sure, Riyadh will fit in at Man City, and it's my guess that he'll be in the first 11 squad. And Manasseh Kinte in the Gambia also agrees, saying Mares is a good player with great abilities. His style of football will enable him to settle pretty fast at Man City. He could face stiff competition from other players, but I'm sure he has all the abilities to cement his position in the City squad. And finally, Lepius in Malawi says, regarding Mares playing every week, why not? Africa has the right materials and he is one. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. So always great to hear from you. And our question again this week, will Qatar be good hosts of the 2022 World Cup? They've received a lot of criticism at once of being awarded the rights to host the tournament. Do you think that they will be good hosts? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, the English Premier League season is almost here now. Next weekend, Chelsea play Manchester City in the Community Shield and the league starts on the 10th of next month. Plenty happening on the transfer market, Stuart, and Brighton are becoming a team that could be popular with African football fans. Well, yes, indeed, Steve. Brighton seem to be uh, looking everywhere for African players. Uh, let's just remind ourselves that Brighton and Hove Albion were promoted to the Premier League just one year ago. And frankly, most people thought they'd be a one-season wonder. But under their manager, Chris Hewton, they accumulated enough points to survive. But of course, they're one of the smaller teams, so they're not in a position to go out and spend $100 million on a new player. Last season, they had one African, Yetan Bong, from Cameroon, who's been there for three seasons. Now, they've signed three more. Leon Balogun is a 30-year-old Nigerian, although he was actually born in Germany and has played in Germany for 10 years, most recently for Mainz. His record in Germany is really a bit mixed, and to be honest, he's played as much reserve team football as first team. And, for example, in the last three seasons, he's only started 45 games for Mainz, who are not really one of the top teams. He did play for Nigeria in the World Cup. Whether he can adjust to the Premier League and get a starting place remains to be seen. Then there's Percy Tao, a 24-year-old South African who has had five seasons with Mamelodi Sundowns, but really only in the last two seasons had he been a regular in the first team. Again, I would have to say that it would be a massive leap for him from the Premier Soccer League to the English Premier League. The most interesting of the three players is Yves Basuma from Mali, who's been signed from Lille in the French League. Now, he's only 21 has played 47 times for the Lille first team, although, again, half of those have been off the bench. But at 21, he has a lot of time to learn his trade. But as with the other two, I can't help thinking that Brighton are buying squad players rather than players who will instantly, definitely make the first team. Yes, and a Brighton say they will loan Percy Tau out for the season. He's been a great player in South Africa. And I remember Yves Bissouma playing for Mali at the 2016 Chan, the African Nations Championship in Rwanda. He scored the goal that put Mali through to the final where they were beaten by DR Congo. And uh, Stuart, uh, what else uh, of note regarding the Premier League? 
Well, Steve, we're at this stage of the season where rumours abound. And it'll probably take another month to distinguish truth from fantasy. Chelsea have a new manager, with Antonio Conte being replaced by Maurizio Sarri. He was previously at Napoli, and there are rumours that he wants to bring most of the Napoli team to Chelsea with him. And at the same time, there are quite strong rumours that the Chelsea goalkeeper, Thibault Courtois, and their really key player, Eden Hazard, are keen to leave the club, with Real Madrid being mentioned as possible destination, certainly for Hazard. The word in the street is that Manchester United are happy to dispense with the services of Anthony Martial, provided it's not to an English club. And Liverpool have been criticised over the past two or three years for playing brilliant football but not being able to defend, and the purchase of the Brazilian World Cup goalkeeper Alisson should make them a lot more solid at the back. Uh, finally, Steve, you know, with the, the World Cup leading into the Premier League season, there is speculation that quite a number of the star players will be given an extra week or two off. And I mean, I read this week that Manchester United could start the season minus seven of their key players like uh, Pogba, Rashford, Lingard, Lukaku. Tottenham could be without eight, Chelsea without seven and Manchester City without seven because the managers quite sensibly think that the players will risk injury if they're not given a proper break between the World Cup and the start of the new season. But that could have implications for teams who are looking for a fast start. Sure. Well, that uh, makes sense indeed after a tough time that players have had at the World Cup. Thanks, Stuart. So not long at all to go to the start of the English Premier League season. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.